everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. This is Thursday, May 11th. I'm Bill Landis. That's Jeremy Birmingham. Uh, awesome word is uh, somewhere gallivanting around Epcot, I'd imagine. At this point, who knows what that guy's up to down in Orlando. So you have to deal with, with Berm and I today as we discuss the addition of Taiwan Malone, uh, defensive tackle from Ole Miss, who I'm sure a lot of Ohio State fans are familiar with, uh, with the Buckeyes recruiting him out of high school in the class of 2021. Uh, Berm, this was uh, a little bit of a drawn-out process, I think, and it, it did seem to kind of go back and forth a little bit as to whether Taiwan would ultimately pick Ohio State or, or perhaps Miami. It seemed like those those were the top two programs. Um, I guess maybe like how did how did you see this play out? And um, I don't know how how did you see like the, the the two schools kind of go back and forth against each other as as Taiwan was trying to figure out what he was going to do. I think it's pretty clear Miami was trying to sell the idea that he could walk into Coral Gables and be a starting defensive tackle for them. Um, Ohio State's path to playing time is a little bit more crowded, but there is a belief from people at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center that if Taiwan Malone is what they thought he was when they were recruiting him in the summer of 2020, that he can compete for a starting job. Not necessarily that's going to be guaranteed like it probably would be at Miami. But it, there is an opportunity for it, and regardless of whether or not he starts, because we saw how much Larry Johnson rotates his defensive lineman anyway, there's going to be an opportunity for a lot of reps and meaningful reps for a guy that has 12 tackles in his first two years of college football. So it's not like he's leaving one program where he was the, the primary guy and then expecting to be the starter somewhere else. I think he still realizes that splitting his time the last two years between football and baseball has left him a little bit incomplete when it comes to being a defensive tackle ready for the rigors of big time college football. But now that you're putting baseball to the side, there's no real reason to, and this is not meant to be a slap at Miami or whatever, but why settle for a, a program that's not as good when you have one to two years to try to put yourself in a position to get drafted uh, for, for the NFL. And I mean, Malone, six foot four, 305 pounds, big kid, Obviously, a, a good enough athlete to play two Division One sports in the SEC. Like you know, he's got the physical tools. Now it's just about the refinement and that kind of stuff. And I think that ultimately, the, all the reasons he liked Ohio State in the beginning, which Larry Johnson, the, the ability to develop defensive linemen, the way Johnson is with pass rushers, et cetera, like all those reasons were still there for him as he went into the transfer portal. So if you remove baseball from the equation, which is the one piece that back in 2020 probably led him to making the decision he did going to Ole Miss um, that it sort of became a no-brainer, I think. And the debate in the last two weeks, Bill, seemed like what was important to him. Was it going to be NIL? Was it going to be opportunity? Was it going to be a combination of both? And I think that's where when he left campus two weeks ago after his visit to Ohio State, there was some consternation on the Buckeye side, like, well, we got to figure out what his priorities are. And over the last 10 days, clearly uh, those came you know, clear for, for Malone. The, the the baseball thing is interesting to me now because when you watch him, like you can see the the flashes, I think of how good he can be as a defensive tackle. But you know the idea of like splitting your time between two sports, especially like I think he had like I don't know a handful of at bats playing for for the Ole Miss baseball team. Like this wasn't he didn't seem like a player whom the baseball team kind of saw as like an integral part of their program moving forward. It was just like sure if it means we can get you to play football, then you can come take a couple abs and play baseball for us, but. That was probably very much to, to Taiwan's uh, detriment, I, I would imagine. And now the idea of him being able to focus solely on football is is very intriguing to me. I mean, he's as you said, he's six four, three oh five. He's really long. Like he I, he was like a defensive end and tackle in in high school, 
And I, I guess like you don't see too many an, at defensive ends in a four three in particular playing uh, that that look like him. But he played on the edge at Ole Miss and. He was okay there. Like the the stats don't jump off the page at you, but but if you watch a couple of plays, you can definitely see that the 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 vision there for him or the, or the ceiling for him. And and I can't help but think that you know moving from a, a three four end end to a four three defensive tackle now going against more centers and guards and being able to use that length and athleticism that that maybe sometimes wasn't always an advantage for him playing against offensive tackles. I think that can really take his game to another level. So when when you kind of combine all that. It, it feels like a no-brainer for me for Ohio State as long as they can make the numbers work, and, and clearly they think they can. But um, you, you tweeted something, Berm, when, when this announcement was made by by Taiwan that you know the, the value of not burning bridges and, and maintaining relationships, and, and clearly a strong one was built uh, the first time around when Ohio State was was recruiting him. And sometimes that carries over, and, and sometimes we we might think that it, that it's obvious that it would carry over for other players, and and it didn't. Um, why do you think it did in this particular case? Because Malone, I think there's two there's two avenues, right? When you're building a relationship with a, with schools that are recruiting you, the the value or, or the relationship strength that these kids have with position coaches is much different than the relationship that they grow with head coaches. Ultimately, especially on the second time around in the transfer portal, the relationship with the head coach is what matters because Ryan Day is the one that has to make that final decision to say yes or no. We're going to bring this kid in. In a relationship and a recruitment like Malone's, even though he chose Ole Miss, he was very upfront with Ohio State early and often throughout his recruitment of what was going to be the deciding factor for him. Ohio State had him on campus for an official visit. They were very close to that conversation and, and routinely said, hey, if football is where you're going, let us know. And until he decided that he, you know he was for sure going to play baseball, I think he was probably leaning toward Ohio State. So, But he did it the right way, which was not to say, you know, screw you or I'm going to I'm going to mm -hmm. say I'm committing to you and then I'm going to boat somewhere else and, and Ryan Day has shown in the last couple of years that he is extremely concerned about like the character of someone to say I'm coming and then to turn their back and walk away from it uh, I think that obviously Taiwan Malone did not do that and the relationship never soured Again, the Ohio State's done this a few times in the last few years. I mean, it started with Trey Sermon with Tony Alford. I mean, that relationship matters so much in for recruits and high school athletes that are that are listening to that. Like, there's no reason that you can't maintain a, a level of of real respect and and relationship with coaches that aren't your own. Like, it doesn't have to turn into a embittered feud. You know, you can pretty much move on. And say. Hey, let's shake hands as, as men and, and say, we never know when they're going to run into each other again and could be in the NFL, could be at another college, but you, you certainly see the difference in the way that this was handled as opposed to, you know, other names that we've talked about through the last few months on the transfer portal um, where people are like, Oh, well, why, why is Ohio state going after this guy? Like it's not, mm -hmm. it's at, not apples to apples. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've done it before and, and it'll be interesting to see if they, if they do it more. Larry Johnson has, has done this before to be more specific. Yeah. Antoine Jackson. Um, and, right. Yeah, right. So um, I think it speaks to his ability to, to build relationships. And, and you know, as like some of us, when I say some of us, I mean I mean us and probably me and Austin maybe a little more than you, like question Larry's ability to do that stuff um, as consistently as he as he did a few years ago. I think this is a reminder that uh, that he still got it a little bit. He still got that fastball, I think, when 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 Ohio State needs it. Um, and this is a big pickup for him. There, There's uh, Two two things, Berm, that this kind of addition uh, leads me to. Um, one is is about the defensive line. I'll put a pin in that for a second. The first is, so he's involved with Miami, 
we know that the way that Miami sort of goes about its business in this NIL era, um, some folks involved on the NIL side with Ohio State, I think we're not so subtly celebrating this addition. Uh, what are we to make of what this means, if anything, um, in terms of Ohio State's competitiveness in the NIL space when it comes to adding transfers and, and recruits? I mean, it feels like this offseason has been a sign that Ohio State has sort of figured things out at least a little bit. I do personally wish it was not done in that way. I, I, I'm just not a fan of Twitter gloating. I don't understand it. <laughs> I think that it, you, it always leads to being – it always comes back around in some level, and I think it's better off to, just to handle it you know, about, you know, as professionally as possible. But this is the world we live in. Um, but clearly, Ohio State is figuring things out and figuring out how to balance. And what I, what I really believe – is that there are still some people in the program who, when a player comes and, and the conversation is about NIL, immediately want to write that off and say, well, this player isn't for us. It's not really what we're looking for. It's not the culture we want. But when you start to realize that you can, as, as one of the few programs in the country like Ohio State is, that has the ability to attack this from both sides, like not only do does Ohio State have you know, more NFL draft picks than anybody in the last 20 years or Larry Johnson as your defensive line coach or all of the opportunities that come from an Ohio State degree and the connections nationally. But now they're all able to say, hey, we also are as competitive as anyone on the NIL front for players on the roster. And that's the important thing to, to underscore. It's not being used in a way of saying, hey, get, you know, here's this. Now come join us. It's get here. And this is what we have lined up. Um, and maybe that seems like, you know, shades of gray, but I, I don't think it is. I think it is an important distinction. But clearly, they're realizing that they can do both. And there's very few places in the country. And this was what I think most people believed from the start was when when NIL became a, a, a reality, people believed that the, the big fish are going to get even bigger. And I think that you will see more and more in the transfer portal when there are these elite players, these highly coveted guys. If the big schools, if Ohio State's, if the Georgia's, Alabama's want them, they're going to get them, and uh, that's yeah. that's the reality. It does. It does feel. I mean, we don't need to have another prolonged NIL conversation, but I, I, I guess I will just say this: like, I, I sense a fair amount of confidence from Ohio State that they have found their footing a little bit. Now, does that mean they're going to be in in the the upper echelon? Uh, you know, seven figure kind of stuff that gets thrown around out there. I, I, I don't know, but um, I think that they felt the brunt of not even being able to keep up in more of that kind of middle ground or, or maybe the tier just below that in the last recruiting cycle and, and feel like they might have gotten something figured out here. We'll see how it goes with the remainder of the 2024 recruiting class, but I, I would kind of lump this addition in with that almost. Um, and I feel like this is a step in the right direction for for the program in terms of uh, maintaining competitiveness on on that level and as you said when you combine it with everything else that Ohio State has to offer and like if Alabama and Georgia and and I guess like USC to a lesser extent are are also doing similar things I I don't see any other uh scenario than those programs just becoming better and separating themselves from the field even more so it's it's a good position for Ohio State to be in um did you like where where was defensive tackle for you coming out of spring in terms of like oh they need to go add a guy is this like a luxury move for you is this more of a we need to make sure that our numbers don't completely get depleted after this season kind of move like how how does this I guess 
resonate with you in terms of how it impacts the roster? You and I kind of talked about the, the need for a defensive tackle a few weeks ago, and I, and I thought then that the the idea of adding someone like Malone is valuable because what you said on the Wednesday morning of the edition of the of the daily talking about Davis and Igbenosin, there is the opportunity to get multiple years out of Malone here, and that is important because heading into spring, I thought hey, a defensive tackle is a big big need, right? Coming out of spring, I didn't think it was as big a need for the 2023 season because we saw Hero Canoe really start to step up. Um, we've seen a healthy Michael Hall. We continue to see growth out of Ty Hamilton. Um, if if Tyleek Williams is able to contribute at all, then you have, with those four guys, a really, I think, solid front four. But then you also have J- Jason Moore, who is like 295 pounds now at six foot six and a half. He's He's different. And Caden McDonald, who, as we've talked about over and over on this show and others, like I really believe Caden McDonald is going to be hard to keep off the field uh, once he gets his feet settled in Columbus. So now you have seven defensive tackles when you add in a guy like Taiwan Malone, who I think can play. Um, that maybe makes him a luxury for the 2023 season. But as we talked about on Wednesday's show, if Michael Hall goes out and stays healthy, he's gone after this season. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. He's gone after this season. Tyleek Williams, whether or not he's uh, the best version of himself or even what he's been in the last few years, you just get the sense that he will test the waters if he can, um, if he's healthy enough to do that. That's just sort of the vibe, right? So yeah. then you have Ty Hamilton, who's in his going into his, what, fifth year, a fourth year. So he, he could leave after this year. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, then you're, you're looking at a much different room heading into 2024, and that's where someone like Taiwan Malone has a lot of value. And when you talk about need versus a depth piece, uh, I think maybe he's a little bit of both. But the reality is high ceiling potential-wise, he is as good as Michael Hall when you're talking about what he can be on the field for Ohio State. Now, is that a fair expectation in his first year in Columbus? Probably not. But the he was the number 11-ranked defensive tackle in the country coming out of high school the number one ranked player in the state of New Jersey. He probably would have been ranked higher at defensive tackle if he was fully committed to playing football and not not splitting his time. Um, so, I mean, it comes from a really good uh, program at Bergen Catholic in, in New Jersey. Like, this is a kid who who's going to be able to make an impact right away, but you don't think you're going to have to worry about him leaving after one year. He does have – I was double-checking this as you were talking. So he only appeared in one game in 2021, so he preserved his redshirt that year. So he does have three years of eligibility remaining. Um, if he reaches his potential, I can't envision a scenario where he uses all of that in, in yeah. Columbus. And, and frankly, Ohio State probably hopes that he does reach his potential to the point that he doesn't use all that in Columbus. But I think you have a really, really good shot of getting at least – two years out of a guy who who could be a, a very talented defensive tackle by the time his career is over. And it it puts the defensive line in an interesting position for me because like we've seen in the past that they've had defensive ends, like a deep enough defensive end room where they can just like keep coming at you in waves and, and pull guys off the field, put new guys on and, and nothing seems to change. I don't know if they've always had that or really have ever had that at defensive tackle. It, it always feels like there's like, two or three tackles and some years there's like five or six ends and coming into this year or coming into the spring i thought well, they probably have three tackles if tyleek williams can can find another gear then then they definitely have three tackles but now you add taiwan malone into this you, you mentioned katie mcdonald jason moore like it almost feels not to make it like a lazy comparison but it, it does feel a little like georgia like to me in the way that that program builds out its defensive line where it has like 
a dozen players it can throw out there with no drop off. And that's the reason why they're so difficult to beat. And, and it makes me wonder if Ohio State's trying to copy that recipe at all, especially with the defensive tackle position, because this to me feels feels a little different than maybe how they've done it in the past where if especially if Jason Moore and Katie McDonald like hit early you're talking about five six seven defensive tackles that I think all reasonably have have a pretty good chance of playing this fall yeah and I think the the real added value or value added with a guy like Taiwan Malone is as we said he's playing a three four defensive end the last two years Ohio State loves to have that bigger defensive end out there if you could put a guy like that on the opposite side of JT2 Omoloau and keep Michael Hall and Ty Hamilton on the field at the same time, you got a much different, very stout run-stopping type defensive line. And then if you had a guy like Jason Moore, I mean, you you know, Ohio State's done that Rushman package the last few years where you have four defensive ends. Like, there's an opportunity to put in four defensive tackles out there at one time, and they're not unathletic uh, defensive tackles. I mean, you're talking yep. six foot six, two, 295, like in Jason Moore on one side, and six foot five, 305-pound, uh, hero canoe on the other side i mean you you can do a lot of things here and I, I do think that larry johnson for the last five six years has tried to go away from you know what i would call true defensive ends or true defensive tackles he wants six foot five 285 across the line like that's the goal if you can find that sort of dude and just stack those guys on top of each other that can play the end can play the middle can pass rush can run stop like then that's what you want and certainly it does feel like it's a little inverted with this current group, but the versatility of a guy like Malone, because he does have that length that you already described and the ability to play outside, it does make me wonder, knowing that there is a question mark after Tuomaloa at defensive end with a lot of unproven guys behind him, does that open a door for Malone to play that spot as well? Like, I mean, is, so how, mm -hmm. how, how does that change things and how does this inter interfere with the plans to deploy Mitchell Melton at the Jack or the, you know, there's, there's a, they have a lot of parts. And uh, I think the real interesting thing for Ohio state from here until August one is how they figure out how to use them all, because there are a lot of different pieces. Yeah, there, there are. And it does. I also wonder too, like <clears throat> with, with Malone, Tom Malone coming out of the system that he came out of at, at Ole Miss, like I'd imagine he'd have to do like a, a decent amount of like two gapping and just a, a, a three down front. And and that's not what Larry Johnson does, but I think it's kind of what Jim Knowles would like to be able to do sometimes. Um, and, and I think you need different body types maybe to do that than what Ohio state has had traditionally at defensive tackle. I, I think Taiwan is that I think um, Katie McDonald is that as a 300 pounder Tyreek Williams could be that um, hero canoe can certainly be that. So I think it gives them some versatility to do some different stuff stuff up front. And like I was already pretty bullish on on the defense going in the next year, and in particular, defensive line. Uh, and this just makes it more so. Like I I really do think, um, not to get too far over my skis, but but I really do think we're we're perhaps entering or, or getting back to seeing an Ohio State defensive line that like you just feel for the entirety of a game and like that is their calling card and they just keep coming after you and there's nothing you can do about it and it's totally overwhelming to the point that you know eventually that the offense you're going against just gives in so um yeah I don't know like I think it would be great if they can get back to that it seems like they're taking the steps too and coming from an SEC program you know that you're going to get a guy who does not need to be taught how to work in the weight room that sort of stuff is, is a given with Taiwan Malone he's also and I know it's baseball but he's out of the national championship baseball team at Ole Miss like he understands the, what you need to do to win and, and what it means to be a, a piece of a bigger puzzle as you mentioned he only had 12 at bats in two years uh for the rebels on the baseball team uh, baseball diamond but like 
that matters. He's got a national championship ring, and you can't really discount that. And I also think if you're an Ohio State fan and you're just looking for you know something to gloat about, like Chris Partridge, the the new <laughs> return assistant at the University of Michigan, who was uh, a defensive coach at Ole Miss, who recruited both Davis and Igbenosin and um, Taiwan Malone from the transfer portal to try to get them to Michigan, even though, and he was the New Jersey recruiter for both those guys in high school. Um, tried to get both of them to Michigan and Ohio State won both those battles. So, I mean, if we're going back to the, you know, is it, is the, has Ohio State figured things out in the transfer portal and NIL and how to balance this and that? I think it's pretty clear they have, um, because that those pre existing relationships, yeah, Ohio State had them with, with Larry Johnson and Taiwan Malone, but clearly Chris Partridge and at Michigan had them by being their assistant coach at Ole Miss and recruiting them out of high school, um, for Michigan and, and Ohio State won a ball. So that's, uh, that's something to, I guess, feel slightly good about if you're if you're one of those Buckeyes fans who's looking for something to feel good about on this Thursday morning yeah nice uh nice cherry on top there I think uh for for an otherwise uh strong recruiting win for Ohio State probably it should be the last edition um sure hope so the the transfer portal is is closed even though stuff still still is happening uh the we've talked earlier in the week about the Jalen Key the the safety from UAB um, and he announced that like, he was kind of taking Ohio State out of consideration. It was it was down to three other schools. So uh, that ship seems to have sailed, and there's really nobody else, I think, to, to keep an eye on. So I think the roster is more or less set. Uh, certainly, if other things happen, we will discuss them here on the podcast daily and write about them uh, over at ohiostate.rivals.com. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily. Uh, for Berm, I am Bill. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.